body is decades ahead of my brain and seconds away from giving out on me. The thrill is gone and replaced with it. Welcome to episode two of Misaligned. We are very excited to get this going and we will be reintroducing ourselves very quickly, just so you, in case you guys forgot who we were, I am Deanna Chapman, and I mainly run Wreck-It Records and Hi-Fi Noise, aside from my very boring day job, and I'm going to let Ashley tell you what she does. Hi guys, I'm Ashley Aaron. I used to run the showcase feature over on Property of Zach, RIP, and now I've just joined the team over at 36vultures.net, running a similar feature and also as a featured writer. And I don't know if I'm even supposed to say this yet, but I'm also helping Jesse Cannon in production research for Off the Record Podcast, which is another great show you guys should definitely tune into. And that's about it. Hey guys, I'm Caitlin DeWeese, and uh, I am a Spanish teacher by day, but spend a lot of my time at shows and writing for Absolute Punk by night. So that's more or less my entire life. (laughs) Awesome. We're all doing wonderful things over here. And Adulting! Just to remind sure. you guys, in case we did not mention it, the first episode, this podcast is brought to you in part of Modern Vinyl. They're looking to kind of get a podcast network going, and I was asked by Chris, who runs the site, to pick some hosts and start this podcast, so... We've made it to episode two, thankfully, and I want to thank yeah. everyone who listened to the first episode and tweeted about it, posted on Absolute Punk. You guys have been awesome, and we hope you enjoy this episode as well. And we just wanted to mention, since all of us met through the website property of Zach, hashtag R-I-P-O-Z. It's, it was a very sad day. It was sweet. It was time. It's yeah. time had come. It's time to move on. <laughs> so what I did for the site for a bit was I would help Zach with posting news, and then I used to do the albums out this week, which Ashley then took over after I ended up being a little too busy to get that done for Zach. And yeah. um, I was only on maybe about six months. Uh, I was picked up on Property of Zach just to do album reviews and some stuff like that and write a few editorials. Um, I did get to write a really cool piece on South by Southwest uh, about a couple years ago and really enjoyed that. So that was a short stint at Property of Zach for me. I ran the showcase feature, like I said before, which was helping local and up-and-coming acts who might not normally be featured on the website get a chance to be platformed on our blog, Twitter, everything. It was super awesome. I put up two features every weekend since I joined in December 2013 up until the site uh, closed its doors last week, so... A lot of local bands, super great. I did do the albums out this week feature. I helped Zach with, you know, a little bit of behind-the-scenes logistics type stuff. Uh, It was cool. I made a summer internship out of it last year, and it was great. And we're all kind of really sad to see it go, but I think we all have really positive memories of it. Basically, Ashley killed it. (laughs) Yes, absolutely. (laughs) Hell yeah! Okay, so we have a couple we have a couple of topics for you guys this episode. We're starting up a new feature where each week we will talk or every two weeks I should say, since that is when we will be posting this. We'll always be recording on a Sunday and hopefully getting everything posted to you guys on a Wednesday. And this week we are starting a feature for an influential album. So this week Caitlin picked Tell All Your Friends by Taking Back Sunday. And each episode we will 
kind of rotate through the hosts and pick a new album each week. And if we haven't heard the album before or haven't listened to it, those of us who haven't will go listen to it and we'll all kind of give our thoughts on it. And we have some generic questions to start off each album and then we'll dig deeper into a discussion and we also have an article to talk about this week it is pop punk and feminism which is a string of articles being posted on the run out and the first one we're going to talk about is intersectionality and microaggressions and then we will be sort of doing a what we're watching or what we're listening to every two weeks this way you guys can kind of keep up on what we're doing, check out some new things, and that sort of thing. So we're going to go ahead and start off with the Tell All Your Friends discussion. So our first question for Caitlin is, when did you first hear the album? All right, so I'm the older one of the bunch. I'm not <laughs> older, but we definitely have different You're like tastes. a fine wine, Caitlin. Yes, yes, I'll take exactly. it. Exactly. Um, <laughs> I first heard this album, it was my 14th birthday party. It was not on my 14th birthday, but it was December 2002, and my friend Brenna, who is pretty much responsible for all the music that I like, introduced me to a lot of stuff um, about life in general and just kind of opened my eyes um, to a lot of things going on in the world. She brought this mix, this not a mix CD, burned CD over, um, you know, just had Taking Back Sunday, scrawled out on it um, in a Sharpie, and she said, let's listen to this CD, we listen to it in my room and I instantly fell in love and little did I know it took me a little while to figure out but this was actually a demo version of Tell All Your Friends I have no idea where she got it or who she burned it from and I never really realized like what a crappy version it was <laughs> until I burned it I burned it for a friend in high school and I gave it to him and the next day he was like this sounds like shit and I was like oh oh <laughs> this is all I have and this is all I've been listening to. And finally, you know, I think it was in eighth or ninth grade that I found out like, oh, this is not the actual album. I'm listening to this weird version. It was like missing a song and it has a weird introduction on a few songs. And, um, and it also didn't help. I, you know, it's a burned copy. So I didn't have the song titles <laughs> to this day. I still only know like four song titles. Um, but I can tell you exactly what chord's going to drop next for each song and everything like that. So 14th birthday, more or less, um, was kind of the birth of my my scene life, shall we say. <laughs> that was that was my birth into the music that uh, I love today still. That's definitely happened to me where you download... Uh, I used um, a service called Acquisition. It was basically like LimeWire. And yeah. I downloaded... Gosh, who was it? I downloaded, like, a bunch of, like, songs by the Pink Spiders or something. Mm -hmm. Like, some, like, random MySpace-era band. And <laughs> I didn't realize that it was different until I went and uh, later, like, years later, added the music to my Spotify library. And things were just, yep. like, slightly different. And it just threw me off. I was like, my whole life is a lie! What is this? It was so strange. All right, now i got to ask the question that's, like, you know, picking between children, what's your favorite song on the album? So, 8th grade Caitlin, 2003 Caitlin, or 2, whatever, I don't even know how old I am anymore. Um, <laughs> Q, Q without the E was always, like, the jam. And I remember the day I heard it on the radio, I just, it broke my heart. Um, but I realized the other night um, in Austin, we started an emo pop punk night called Jimmy Eat Wednesday. And I was yeah. invited. I was invited to guest DJ last week, which was my dream come true. But I realized when I was picking between songs that I wanted to play, I ended up going with Timberwolves of New Jersey. And um, I know Good that's choice. all. 
pretty pretty cliche also i mean those were the two big hits on the album but um that song for me it's funny um i was in drumline in high school and the very beginning of that song that riff da 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 that was a drumline cadence that we played um so it was always really funny my best friend and i hillary you know we'd play that cadence we'd be like ha we're playing timberwolves in new jersey and that was always like a joke <laughs> Um, so every time I hear that song, it kind of takes me back to high school and to drumline. Um, and that's always just kind of stuck with me. Plus, it's like the sassiest song ever. Like, I got the mic and you got the mosh pit. Like, what's up? Like, I just, that's that's my song. That's my jam. And so I played it at Emo Night the other night. And it was definitely a big hit. Awesome. Okay. Well, the next question is, why or how does the album still hold up today f- for you and kind of like in general with the scene because this is a pretty big yeah, album definitely. they just had like the 10-year tour what yep. a year or two ago two years ago yeah yeah and y'all can probably weigh in on this too um for me i am the most nostalgic person ever um i hold on to every scrap of paper i have a box of notes that my best friend wrote me in high school um, you know, I have the weirdest crap you could ever think of. And that's, I'm just a nostalgic person. That's the same reason I can still listen to Chiodos today and not want to kill myself. Um, so the album holds up for me because it still, it takes me back to that time. Um, and it makes me think of, you know, when I was first finding myself and finding music and kind of growing into who I was, you know, eighth grade Caitlin was very different from seventh grade Caitlin purely because of this music. Um, I remember going and buying my first uh, Taking Back Sunday shirt at Hot Topic. And that that same visit, I also bought some plastic glasses that were like Buddy Holly glasses. (laughs) And so I remember the next day, I wore my Taking Back Sunday shirt, which is still in my drawer as we speak, and my smart glasses, as I called them. So it's just like that, just all the music holds so many memories for me. Um, And it was also, it's one of those albums that means so much to me. And it was before, like, any boys or any, like, friendships that ended or anything like that. Like that there's no bad emotion attached to it it's all positive um and I, I have a feeling that's probably the same way for a lot of people not necessarily you know the attachment part but I think a lot of people are way more nostalgic than they like to admit and I'm I'm very open to admit it um but for me it's it's purely about the memories that it brings up and stuff and that I it's one of the few albums that I know every word to every song um I learned the drum tabs for um you know key without the e one time and very dedicated to the album so and I, I've traveled near and far to hear this album be played um yeah I traveled to New Jersey in 2011 the to bamboozle, the right? yeah the bamboozle yeah, show I was which there. I mean Going to New Jersey from Austin, Texas, like I had never done anything like that before. That's the first time I traveled for a festival. Um, and that was just, it was very surreal for me. I went with a friend who had a photo pass and we ended up in the photo pit for the first three songs. And that was the first time I'd ever been in a photo pit. So that really, it was kind of funny. That started a whole new part of my life when I went to go see them play that album again. And so it, it just like continued nostalgia. Um, I, there's some times where I can't listen to it for whatever reason, but for most of the time it comes on and I just, I have to listen to all of it. So I don't know if that's the same for everyone or if you guys have any special attachment to it, but it's definitely a big part of my life in general. That bamboozle was great. Oh, it was. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Oh, that's that's American dream played that too. I just remember like being in the crowd for that whole album and like, I'm definitely not as diehard, like a fan as you are, but it was still like a really fun experience. I think that was one of the first times I'd seen the crowd just came together for it. So that was right. Yeah. That was the first time I'd really ever seen an album like front to back or had attended any type of performance like that. And it was, 
it was cool. It's very, it's like experiencing the album it was kind of meant to be listened to. So I thought that was great. And for an album that's, you know, 10, 11, 12 years old, do you think that for you it's taken on any new meanings or have you discovered anything new about the album in the time between, you know, your 14th birthday party yeah. and today? That's <laughs> well, kind of like I was just saying, like, you know, that 2011, the Bamboozle show kind of started a new part of my life. Um, the friend who I went with um, was a music photographer at the time and had been working for Warner Records and all that kind of stuff. So he was really encouraging and having that opportunity to be so close and upfront um, was really awesome. And since that Bamboozle show, I've seen them play the album probably two more times. Um, and it's the meaning hasn't changed, the, the lyrics itself, but it kind of has reminded me that... Um, it's still okay to love what you've always loved and to really just be passionate and not give up on that, that your, your 14 year old self is still there. And even if you did and said embarrassing things when you were 14 and that, you know, you really look back and you cringe, um, there was, there's still a really important time in your life. So I think it's more of just a reminder for me more than anything else. So, um, Actually, and that actually really brings up kind of what we're heading to next, um, looking back on your 14-year-old self. Um, so do we want to talk about the, uh, the article, Pop Punk and Feminism? Uh, do you want Ashley and I to just talk about, tell all your friends real quick? Yeah, I know I sure. went to Y'all the, have some more feelings about it. Yeah, for sure. I know I went to the 10-year tour. All of the tour, feelings, Caitlin. And all like, the feelings. Of the course. The singer was <laughs> climbing around everywhere in the electric factory in Philly. He was like up on the balcony, crawling around and like, sec- you could see security like running around, chasing oh. after him basically Adam in case Zara he fell. <laughs> yes. Adam <Zara> forever. <laughs> I used to actually, when I had a Zynga, I uh, recall making several posts about being willing to lick Adam Lazara's shoes. Oh, my goodness. Um, I'm admitting <laughs> that to the 70 people who maybe will listen to this. <laughs> like, I was passionate. And, but after I finally got to see him perform, that's, I mean, every show is like that. He's a crazy person. I envy the, his energy. Yeah, I was just like, is he actually going to crawl up there? <laughs> and then yes, he he down. You can see and everyone just like God. staring. They were like, oh my God, what is this guy doing? Well, as, he, as he gets older, it's kind of like, oh my God, is he going to hurt himself? Like he has children and what's going to happen? Yeah, I was like terrified <laughs> and impressed all at the same time. I was like, yep. I don't even think I could crawl up there and like climb up all <laughs> well, that no. stuff. I was like, wait, I'd how did like, he caught. get up there? I'd get caught and twist my ankle. Like I, I, I was know. also very impressed that the microphone cable was that long because I swore he went like all the way around the balcony to the back they of the venue to, and then came back to, around. Yep. Yeah, he did the same thing in Austin. Actually, yeah, you're right. He did the same thing. Yeah, they have to like he has to request that. It's on their rider, like extra long. Yeah, I'm sure. Seventy five foot mic. And then he has like a guy like running after him with the cable so it doesn't get tangled or caught on anything. Hey guys, sorry, out of my way. I'm the mic guy. I'm the mic cable guy. (laughs) You can't climb that high, but we'll see how this works. (laughs) Cable guy. (laughs) It's too funny. I just remember that album being one of the first that was... uh, you know, it's like it's definitely like an emo album. I don't think there's really any other classification you can give it. It's, you know, emo. But it was one of the first albums I listened to that wasn't abrasive. Like, I wanted to listen to music that, like pissed off my parents and like was really loud and obnoxious like I am like I wanted to listen to that kind of stuff and then I started listening to Taking Back Sunday and it was just like really refined in a way like I don't want to say it's toned down because it's definitely not like there's a vibrant sound throughout the whole record but 
it was kind of an introduction to a different side of emo and punk culture that wasn't so abrasive and in your face, which I think was definitely a turning point for me. Definitely, it's a more lyrical album. Um, and, the you know, the overlaid harmonies and all that kind of stuff, the dueling lyric lines, and mm-hmm. that all really, that drew me in a lot, too. I mean, besides the nostalgia factor, when you listen to it, they were definitely, um, maybe not ahead of their time, but they were really embodying everything that was going on at that time and did a really good job of it. Yeah, so I actually have one more quick question to add. It's yeah. kind of for all of us, but I have this, I have a digital version, and then I also bought it on vinyl, so I was just mm-hmm. wondering what format do you guys have this record in? <laughs> I'm so glad you asked that. <laughs> this is the only record that I have ever paid more than $50 for. <laughs> Damn! I did not pay that much for mine. I bought the original pressing on green vinyl. So it's the first pressing on green vinyl. And then I bought the second pressing on pink vinyl just for fun um, because I could. Um, And then I do also have the acoustic um, one that they just released within the past few years. Yeah, I have a problem. It's okay. No shame. I'm definitely digital. I don't, I mean, I'm really picky about albums that I buy on vinyl. I definitely want it to be an album that I love and know front to back and want to listen to in its entirety. And not that this isn't a great record, it's just like, I don't, it doesn't have the same impact right. that it does yeah. for you. So I'm just Spotify, convenient. I, th- I think <laughs> I might actually have the real version of it on my iTunes now. Which, but it took like, it literally. The non demo version? Yeah. I think it literally took 10 years. So, <laughs> I might. I'm not sure. Worth it. Worth it, though. Definitely. Oh, yeah, for sure. I've been buying so much vinyl lately. It's ridiculous. Uh, I know. My boyfriend is really um, an enabler, so it's, it's not been good. <laughs> it's Amoeba been keeps, bad. Amoeba will have, like, a monthly 15% off. No. Oh. And No Sleep just had, like, a huge 60% I off saw sale. That. I saw that, too. And oh, my heart. My bullet. Hot Topic has the best vinyl sales. Really? Just saying. Yes. Be I'm very pretty careful. sure I bought a Justin Timberlake <laughs> album from Best Buy for like six bucks because my oh, mom had reward yeah. points. Nice. Yeah. It was like they were having a huge vinyl sale. I was like, if I get Justified, I will have all the JT vinyl. <laughs> all of them. I have all four albums on vinyl. See, we all have our not-so-guilty <laughs> pleasures. I'm not I'm even not sorry guilty. about yeah. it. No, no, not sorry at all. No. <laughs> I will buy another Taking Back Sunday original press if I can find it in a different color. I'll keep an eye out for you, Caitlin. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Me too. Okay, so yeah, we should definitely get started on the pop-punk and feminism article. Caitlin, would you like to introduce that? Yeah, for sure. So a lot of this article, um, it was originally posted on the runout. It's called Pop Punk and Feminism, Intersectionality and Microaggressions, and it's by Kayla St. Ange. Um, and she addresses actually a lot. It's really not a long article. Y'all can definitely Google it if you want to read along, or you can find it in our show notes. Um addresses a lot. She starts out talking about feminism, moves on to talk about what microaggressions and intersectionality actually mean. She puts them in context of what it means for our scene and the punk scene, um, and then goes on to talk about how a really important part of this whole concept is kind of going back and admitting that maybe you've been wrong. Um, and that's that kind of brought me back to the nostalgia of, you know, talking about Zanga and some of the things maybe I said on there um, as a kid and that kind of stuff. Um, so 
basically, uh, I went through and picked out a handful of uh, quotes that I thought really summed up what was going on. So um, we'll kind of go through and paraphrase some of them or directly quote them, and we all just kind of have a few things to say about the article in general. Um, So one of the things that uh, Kayla starts out with um, is the first step to understanding how to fix the scene is understanding what's wrong with it at the heart. All of this comes with the heavy disclaimer that I'm a white cisgender woman. I can explain it to you, but my experience as a white woman is vastly different than that of a non-white or trans woman. And um, that's a fair statement for all of us. Um, And basically what she goes on to talk about is this concept of intersectionality, uh, which is the study of intersections between forms of systems or oppression, domination or discrimination. So really it's not just about being females treated differently in the scene. It's really how that relates to everyone, whether they identify as male or female or trans um, or if they're black or white or, you know, Indian or Native American or whatever it may be. Um, So I think she has a really good point is the first step is understanding. Um, And I think that's where a lot of people, they don't understand that there's a problem. Um, And I see a lot of that, not even just in our scene, but within society in general, that people are kind of in denial that there is a problem with this. So I don't know if you guys see something similar, if you had anything to add to that. Oh, definitely. Especially with like, the different generations, it's like the yeah. older the people are, the more they either just don't care that there's a problem because yeah. they just, they're still thinking in the time period when they grew up and when things were completely different. Yeah. And then, like, so that's, like, probably our grandparents and whatnot. I say, well, even within, like, the punk scene, you know, people who were into the scene in the late 80s and early 90s, um, you know, I still see those people. I went to a casualty show um, a couple months ago, and it was a really big mix of kind of that older punk, um, and they had very different, I guess, settings for their shows. Um, yeah, definitely. a lot more violent, a lot more intense than kids who are either my age or younger. You know, that venue was an all-ages venue, so there were kids there with X's on their hands who were 17 years old. Right, um, yeah. So those those guys could have been their dads. So I think <laughs> the, the generational probably thing was an were. issue. Yeah, seriously, that, probably. So, I mean, generational goes not just for, I mean, not just for society, but I think it definitely fits into the music scene as well. So that kind of goes into um, the idea that for an older generation and for plenty of people our age as well, especially me, like I live in, well, it's not the South, the South, it's Texas. It's not technically part of the South. People will debate about that all day. Um, It's I just call it Texas. Yeah, it's Texas. (laughs) I say too, I'm like, it's not really the Southwest. It's not the South. Like, it's just fucking Texas. We're huge. We can't help it. Um, But it's, you know, people either don't understand that there's a problem with the way women um, and people of color are treated. Um, And it's a lot of times a result of what um, Kayla describes as microaggressions. Um, And microaggressions are defined as the everyday verbal, nonverbal, and environmental slights, snubs, or insults, whether intentional or unintentional, keyword, which communicate hostile, derogatory, or negative messages to target persons based on their marginalized group membership. Um, So this is really the idea that we have all of this unconscious thought ingrained to us that we have just kind of been conditioned to see. Um, which is basically exactly what Kayla says. Uh, we see this as normal. We see um, one of the things she mentioned was, you know, seeing someone 
um, of color or, you know, someone of Middle Eastern descent and immediately assuming that they're an immigrant or seeing someone who's Mexican and assuming they're an immigrant. Um, Where in Texas, you know, that's something we're not as horrible about because we are so much, um, we have such a large population of Mexican-Americans that we're at the point now we understand that, you know, some of these families have been in the United States for years, but a lot of times we have this kind of built-in just immediate thought that we don't even there's not even kind of a conscious effort to stop it. Um, and that's the idea of microaggressions, that we're conditioned to be a certain way and think a certain way because of how we've been raised. Um, so I think a lot of that comes into play when you are maybe trying to discuss or trying to help someone understand, like, hey, it's not cool the way you're treating this person or the way that we think of women in the punk scene, which we discussed in our last episode with the, you know, the way fangirls talk to guys and stuff like that. We have this kind of unconscious conditioned thought and I've been guilty of that. You know, I, I used to be like, Oh, fangirls, screw them. I hate those girls. Those girls are the worst. I'm not like them. Like, you know, one of the guys kind of girl, that's who I've always been. And it's definitely, it's, it wasn't intentional, um, it was just kind of conditioned. So the microaggressions are a really big part of it. And I yeah. think um, it's not a topic that's a- addressed a lot. People don't realize that we have that in us. Because you don't realize what you're doing. Because a big part yeah. of I think of microaggressions are the keywords. There are often unconscious patterns mm-hmm. of thought and action. Like, And I, this is another point in the article where it's like basically saying we all have different frames of thought. Like, you know, when you're... Like, as opposed from today as opposed to five years ago, you know, like, if you look back, like, on your own Facebook and Tumblr and Twitter pages, I'm sure you've posted opinions that you don't agree with today. And even though you posted them, it's like, you've had so much more life experience than you're, you're allowed to change your mind, you know? So I think that, like, for example... I was watching the Billboard Music Awards, I think it was, with my dad, and Taylor Swift was performing, and he just goes, oh, what a slut. (laughs) And I was like, oh, shit, dad. (laughs) Dad? I was was like, like, I love my dad. I'm one of three daughters, and I just, like, I don't know what it was about the way he said it, but something in me just, like, snapped. And I was like, dad, can you just fucking not, please? Like, it's not okay. It's really derogatory. I really don't think you should be, like, you could say she's not talented. You could say that you don't like her music, but you just don't say anything but that, basically. Yeah, yeah, anything but that. What are you actually trying to say about her? Yeah, like, I don't understand, like, maybe he was referring to, like, the fact that she's dated a lot of guys, and, like, yeah, that's okay, that's, she's, what, like, 24? She can do whatever the fuck she wants, she's... I don't think she's actually dated as many people as everyone seems to think she has because if I had I would never like I'm like no Taylor Swift's not a slut like she's a perfect little angel woman like (laughs) exactly is like sleeping around which hey if that's what she's gonna do friggin do it I don't care but that's definitely not I don't know right I think a big part of it is that she writes so many songs about breaking up with people that some people don't realize there's multiple songs about the same person most likely yeah but either way it it doesn't matter whether she sleeps with five guys or 50 whether she writes five songs or 50 songs it's just like that's something that like has no bearing on her musical performances yeah and it was something like my dad didn't think was like a big deal yeah. and it's something yeah. that i'm sure he said like to his like to other people in the world like oh taylor swift like what a slut which is you know what my dad's great i adore him i'm not saying he's a bad person but it was something that like really pissed me off and this kind of also reminded me 
totally random, but it reminded me of a quote from Louis C.K. where he says, when a person tells you that you hurt them, you don't get to decide that you did it. Yeah, so, I, love, I love that. I think it's, it's perfect. Like, it if, like, for example, like, I'm straight, white, cis, like, cis, cis, like, sorry if I say that wrong, everybody. Um, or but, like, not. I'm, like, as basic as they come. And to have <laughs> friends who are transgender or they're, like, very serious allies within the LGBT community or people who go by uh, they, them pronouns instead of he, uh, he uh, bleh, his, her type stuff. You know what I mean. Exactly. Binder neutral pronouns, yeah. Yeah. If, if I say something that's incorrect or I say something that could be seen as offensive or I use a pronoun that they don't go by, it's... It's, like, not up to me whether I say, like, oh, well, like, to me, you look like a girl, so I'm going to call you she, her, whatever. Like, it's not up to me to decide that. This is the person who's saying, hey, like, that's not cool. Please right. call me they, them pronouns. Thanks. Right. Like, and it shouldn't be that difficult of a thing to process either. Yeah, and uh, Kayla says, you know, she, if the person criticizing you is a member of a minority and you're not, chances are they have a good reason to be calling you out. Um, and that's, I mean, that goes exactly along with the Louis C.K. quote. Um, we, we have a hard time admitting we're wrong. We don't want to accept, you know, admit that we've made mistakes. No one likes to do that. But when it comes to straight up making someone else fear, feel inferior, it's a problem. And one of my biggest pet peeves, things that drives me crazy, I see it on Facebook all the time, which I just deleted the Facebook app from my phone, and I feel very free. Ooh, um, I think I did the same thing, too, actually. Yeah, it feels good. But I see it all the time on there is that people are constantly like, man, everybody is such a pussy now. Man, I, I, everybody is just too politically correct and everybody gets their feelings hurt and blah, 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 all sorts of horrible stuff. Um, yeah, I saw someone um, on a quote, um, someone posted about Johnny Craig. If uh, y'all are familiar with the situation, oh, he's kind of a douchebag, has made a lot of mistakes, had drug problems, has been accused of sexual harassment. Someone posted about it, um, you know, posted a news article without comment, and some a guy in the scene commented, um, man, everybody's just a big old bleeding vagina these days. Um, which okay. is a whole other situation, <laughs> but it's that idea exactly. that... Just because That's actually a don't... pretty normal thing for a vagina to do yes. once a month. Yeah, I hope, just I in hope case you didn't know. Hope it bleeds, <laughs> otherwise you might have some issues going on. Yeah. Um, or you might be pregnant. You should get yep, that checked there out. There might anyone, be a bun in the oven. Anyone out there who is concerned. <laughs> um, but no, it was just that kind of thought is that is the exact opposite of what both of these people are saying, what Kayla and Louis C.K. is saying. Um, that I don't care if you think it's not offensive. If it offends somebody else, then you sure as hell better watch your mouth um, and accept that, wow, I screwed up. Um, it's okay to be wrong. I mean, and at this point in my life, I want to learn. I don't want to be offensive. Um, there's some times where I don't mind offending some people, and that's, that's a whole different story. But for the most part, I don't want to hurt anyone. Um, I don't want anyone make anyone feel inferior or um, excluded. And I'm sure that does come with age. Um, some, you know, what we were kind of mentioning is in the past, we all look back at old Facebook posts or live journals or Zangas or whatever we had, and we've, we've said awful stuff. Um, and Kayla many says, things. oh my God, so yeah. Um, saying, like we're saying the word slut. Um, I used to call things gay, I used to call things retarded. Um, 
And I would never do that now. Um, because at the time when I was, you know, 14 years old, I was doing it because I heard everyone else doing it. And I never once thought for a second that, Which is like oh, wow. Of every 14 year old to yes, do exactly. what every other 14 year old is I'm doing. I'm going to use the exactly. language that everyone around me is using. So, you know, saying the word gay or retarded to me was just saying like, that's dumb, that's stupid. And until those, uh, what was it, the commercials, who was it? Was it Missy Elliott who was in those commercials? There's so you many. Remember those? There was one where it was like Missy Elliott. One? like, came and, like, called somebody out at a table, and I was like, oh, my God, Missy Elliott's calling me out. <laughs> and I was like, no. You're like, oh, no, like, I better I'm listen right person. now. No, but, I mean, it comes with, uh, you know, age and getting to know the world around you better, and I think a lot of kids are not, um, you know, as deeply involved in, you know, Tumblr activism or Twitter activism as some people, and that, I mean, Tumblr, Tumblr was a huge um, introduction to me of all things feminism, Um, And that was only within, you know, the past five or six years, so in my early 20s. Um, But, you know, Kayla says, we don't start out as great feminists or perfect people. It's constant learning and constant unlearning in all areas of life. Um, And she goes on to point out, you know, that Haley Williams uh, posted a blog on misery business. And Anthony Ranieri posted um, a response uh, when people were claiming that Bayside has been misogynistic in the past. And, um... They just, you know, they admitted, like, yeah, I, I screwed up. I was wrong. I was young. And what I said at that time isn't necessarily reflective of what I know and think now. Yeah, yeah there's, there's another line in there that was, uh, sorry, Deanna, I totally just okay. cut you off. Go ahead, go ahead, finish. <laughs> um, well, it was just kind of tying into that. There's another quote in the article that says, um, we should all be so willing to examine ourselves and dissolve those former selves with misguided ideals, which is exactly what... Haley Williams does in that blog about misery business, what Anthony Ranieri says about their lyrics. It's kind of saying, like, hey, I thought some stuff that wasn't really that great. I expressed these thoughts through song. And, you know, like, Haley Williams wrote that song when she was 17. And I think if we all looked back onto our 17-year-old selves, oh, there, would God, be, yeah. there would be aspects that we just cringe at. So I think the best way to go about it is saying, instead of trying to defend it, saying, yeah, I called Taylor Swift a slut, and I thought all these girls who were, like, my enemies, like, I called them whores, which has mm-hmm. nothing to do with yeah. disliking a girl. And, you know, all these things that you did in your as your former self, and saying, yeah, I own up to it, but I've grown from it, and I've learned, and I've changed, and now I'm basically a, an evolved version of myself who has more life experience to have different and more well-founded opinions about these things. Yeah, and you definitely see this in other areas and not necessarily just music. Even in the sports world, you'll see, like, people bring up past allegations about things that either were settled in court or never went to court. So it's kind of like we don't actually know what happened. We're all just kind of speculating on everything at this point. And I don't know if you guys heard about the recent thing with Dr. Dre after he released his new album. People were, like, bringing up some past events where he apparently hit a woman. And this was probably – I don't know how old Dr. Dre is exactly, but I think this thing was at least 20 years ago or so. And you can clearly tell he's gotten his life together Mm -hmm. because he's a billionaire – 
<laughs> and well, that's not always a sign of having your life together, right? Sure. But, but now he's it would help at, with a lot of our problems. Oh, though. hell yeah, it would. But now he's working at Apple, and Apple right. is kind of one of those places that wouldn't exactly tolerate something like that because you see with Tim Cook and everything that he does. And he came out as gay, I believe it was right. earlier this year or late mm-hmm. last year. Last year yeah. So it's kind of like if you're working for a company who wouldn't tolerate these things, chances are someone at the company has to know you've made some sort of change. And he even admitted to whatever he did and said, I'm not that person anymore. So I think a lot of the general public's mistake is assuming that people can't change. Can't. And that, I mean, I think that has, you know, the, that is a downside of being in the public eye is that once you screw up, everybody knows. And right. it, it, is hard. Hard, it is hard for people to forget. But that I think that's one thing that I really appreciate about, you know, Haley Williams and Anthony Ranieri going out and, and um, you know, making a public statement that I was wrong. Right. Um, and it's and like we know the hard. names of these people simply because they're in the spotlight and they did something. If right. you, If anyone like went and walked into a jail, you wouldn't know any of those people. But they're all away for a reason. And people think uh, basically money talks and people walk is sort of the thing, which we have seen happen with certain things. Um, But generally in music, we've seen people be really active on trying to find out what actually happened. And when things go to court, it's not just – some of these musicians aren't like – super rich like you see some smaller bands being accused of sexual assault and whatnot and it's like they can't just pay off the best lawyer in the world to get them off on anything they actually have to have a case and prove they are innocent so i feel like especially in our scene it's extremely harder for people to get away with things than it is say like movie stars or like you see right. the, they get DUIs and it's just like it goes away pretty much. Right. The, par- the Paris Hiltons of them. the world. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like I work in digital marketing. Like I do publicity like strictly through like digital outlets and stuff. So like I have a client and it's a band and recently one of their members left and the way he left was by leaving this like scathing Facebook message on like his own personal Facebook and all the fans are like, oh my God, like they're they're siding really quickly. It's either, oh my gosh, I can't believe this. I totally agree with you. Like, fuck that band and just kind of jumping on that bandwagon. Or it's like, this sounds like complete bullshit. I don't get it. Why haven't we heard from the other band members? Which is basically what I spent like my entire Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday this week doing. So, but there's like, and that statement that we crafted for the band, like I was talking to the drummer and he was giving me his statement and I was refining it and editing it and kind of saying, this is what I think you should put out. I think this is the best way to go. And I don't, people might think that's some sort of like false advertising or whatever, but these people in these bands, like they're not public image specialists. And I'm not no. saying I'm an expert either, but yeah. it's kind of right, also like, like my they job. Haven't, <laughs> they haven't been trained. They don't have people exactly. you know, telling them what to do and what to say. Yeah. So that's like what I'm there for to say, like you should really push this side of your story and maybe address this part, but don't talk about this or don't use this term or whatever. Right. You're and not it's making kind of coaching up the story. It. You're just no. kind of refining it. So it sounds more mm-hmm. professional and it's not like just a spur of the moment kind of blurting out what they yeah. think. 
you're, so, and you're helping them have think that. everything through. Mm-hmm. And, and a lot of fans don't have that, which is exactly. not to say that they need to or that everyone deserves to have like a team like this, but it's just two very different schools, not schools of thought, two very different approaches. Like you either have this huge team behind you that can help you orchestrate your every move and kind of create this public image, or it's just, this is genuinely you, this is everything you're saying, and it's the real you, 100%. Yeah, absolutely. I agree completely. So should we talk about warp tour for a little bit? <laughs> dun dun dun! <laughs> the daunting task of kind of leads tour right into. I feel this. like it does lead right into it. Um, does someone want to sum up? I guess what's been going on for those who are not um, informed on the warp tour debacle right now. Oh, there are we so have many times. The ongoing. Though. Do we have? Yeah, let's. Well, what's what's a short version? What's the abridged? Uh, all right, the abridged version. And my this is from my point of view. So if I miss yeah. anything, let me know. So this was, you know, the end of 2014, beginning of 2015, when the allegations started to come to light about front porch step and all the stuff that he got into of uh, sexual harassment of underage fans and sending, you know, nude photos and just basically being the worst person ever. <laughs> and you wanted the short version, that's it. Yep. <laughs> and yep. that was... Uh, uh, it sparked an p- online petition, and I think twelve to 13,000 people signed it, which is a significant chunk of the Warp Tour audience, and people wanted him to get off Warp Tour, and it was just a mess. And then in the middle, well, so he, from Port Step, ultimately canceled all of his touring for 2015, and that kind of got him off the hook for, like, you know, pressuring uh, other bands that he was touring with, or promoters like Kevin Lyman to kick him off first, so... That happened, and then in the middle of the tour, uh, there was an accusation floating around that Johnny Craig was had sexually harassed um, his merch girl. I believe her name was Colleen, and that was a huge debate, and ultimately what happened is the Warped Tour crew called a town hall meeting, and everyone came in to voice their opinions, and I think they ultimately got to vote on what to do with Slaves, which is Johnny Craig's band. And Slaves was asked to leave the tour, like, entirely. And then, going back to Front Porch Step, he somehow magically appeared on the Nashville date of the tour. His name was on the schedule for the acoustic basement. And that shit was... Shit the fan. Yeah. Shit hit... <laughs> shit hit every fan. Shit like, hit every fan. <laughs> I was actually surprised fan. how many people actually showed up to watch him. Yeah. I was too. Like I saw a picture, and it's like people were spilling out yeah. of the acoustic basement tent, and that tent's fairly large most of the and time. And there was plenty of other stuff going on. Right. It was just yeah, purely so- a spectacle. I feel I like some people this, were but... there because they actually do like him, but then I feel yeah. like some people were there just they to, were like, there to heckle yell, yell things at him, and I think someone threw something at him. Yeah, someone yeah. threw a water bottle at him. He had. Um, two security guards with him like the whole day and it was ultimately what kevin lyman said oh this is part of his uh his recovery his therapy and as much as i as much as i want him to be in therapy he deserves to get you know professional help for everything he's been through whether he's guilty of these charges or not like on a legal standpoint like he's the guy's clearly been through a lot and whether i agree with what he's done or not that's no reason that he shouldn't get professional help. Right. Do I, I think it was the right time to bring him back to Warp Tour? Probably not. I think the way he handled himself was atrocious, and 
it just really, really angered me. Like, nothing about that went right. It could have gone well. It did not. I think it was a little too soon to bring him back. Way too soon. To Warp Tour, especially Warp Tour. Because you have a much younger fan base there. Because I think parents will feel like it's safer for kids to go to an event like that because it's, you know, it's outdoors. There's a ton of people. And parents can go for free now. Reverse Daker. Yep. Basically, yeah. And I think it was just way too soon to do that. And even if he wanted to do that, I think he should have consulted the fans in some way, like maybe done a poll, like should Front Porch Step play this date? Yes, no. That yeah, That's I literally think- the easiest way you could have gotten fan feedback. What it comes down to is I think a lot of people were just uncomfortable and shocked that someone like that was allowed to be on a public stage. Because I think a lot of women and females have been in situations where they have felt pressured um, or have been in that kind of situation, especially if you were, you know, a younger girl, 15, 16, trying to catch the eye of, you know, a cool band guy or whatever, because that's what you did. Mm-hmm. We've all kind of had that weird, awkward experience. And I think um, I think that brought a lot of us kind of back to that time and just realized how wrong it was. And... It wasn't handled well in the end. I think um, he was so rude on stage. He said, yeah. like, like the difference, he, someone was heckling him in the crowd. And I haven't, like, watched the video recently, so I'm forgive me he if was, this is verbatim. He was very defensive. He was yeah. very defensive, and he's like, the difference between you and me addressing this person who's heckling him in the crowd, the difference between you and me is, like, I know who I am, and I'm fucking proud of it. And it just... It didn't seem like he had learned anything from his experience or... There was no apology. There was no no apology, no addressing of anything like... Or why he was there. Or why he was there. Nothing. It was part of therapy, if it even was. Yeah. Right. He he didn't even say, like, he was glad to be there performing or or anything. It felt so awful, and it, it almost felt like he was giving off this sense of entitlement, like he deserved to be there after all this time, and... It just uh, it put, left such a bad taste in my mouth. Yeah, yeah I agree. I, and Kayla has a really great point towards the end of her article. She says, Punk was meant to be a safe haven for the outcasts and said it's turned into another place for men in positions of power to exploit those under them. And that goes for whether you know, you're female or you're trans or you're black or you're white or you're gay or you're bi or whatever your situation may be. Is That's what it all comes back to is that right now we're seeing this change in our scene um in the past this might have never been addressed um without the internet most of us wouldn't have even known that this ever happened with front porch step there never would have been mm-hmm. this boycott warped tag um there would never be all these really awkward and really horrible exchanges with kevin lyman um so kayla continues and goes on to say we can make a difference and turn the tide back but to do that we have to learn from each other first we have to be willing to talk about the problems permeating the industry and most importantly we have to be willing to let go of cherished traditions to make the scene a better place and i feel like mm-hmm. warp tour um kind of sums up that idea of a cherished tradition that it needs to change or something needs to change the way that we're thinking about um you know who we're putting on these pedestals needs to change i don't not everyone agrees with that obviously um but she's right punk was meant to be a safe haven for the outcasts and that includes all outcasts it doesn't just mean straight white male outcasts um it means everyone and I think that that's kind of what it comes down to is it doesn't feel safe to everyone anymore and people are making 
themselves known. They want to feel safe. They want to have a good time. And mm-hmm. with people like that up there on stage, performing, touring, whatever it may be, people don't feel safe. Right. And a lot of people have said that they're never going to go to a warp Tour again because yeah. of this specific event. I personally didn't go this year. I didn't that, that was mainly because I didn't feel like making the yeah, drive. The to go. <laughs> <laughs> Me too, and it's too damn hot, and it's in a parking lot. Yeah, it was but, on uh, a Sunday. Know, did, I was like, I have to go to work the next day. Me, yeah, it was Sunday for us too. Um, it, it did make me think, though. Watching Kevin Lyman handle everything um, was painful. Watching yeah. the exchanges he had with people and how kind of aloof he was about a lot of the situations, um, and obviously, you know, it's hard to tell meaning and everything on Twitter um, or through mm-hmm. email, but right. he, it was definitely, it made me think a little bit more about like, you know, what have I been supporting for the past, you know, decade? I've started going to Warp Tour in 2003. Um, and, and when I think back about that, it's like, you know, did I feel unsafe? Would I have felt unsafe at that time if this had happened? And is this something I do want to keep supporting? So it definitely brought up those thoughts. Right. And it's kind of hard because Ke- Kevin Lyman has done so many things right so much. for the scene. Yes, so, so much. much. And it's like, it's really hard to judge to him that as happen. an entire person based yeah. on this one event. Because yeah. personally, I met him when he came to Drexel to speak. He came mm-hmm. to one of my classes and then we watched that Warp Tour documentary that came out yeah. a few years years ago and he yep. was there for that and he was super nice to everyone he was like yeah here's my email let me know you guys can come intern for us and everything and he's yeah. like he's so stoked on warp tour every single yeah. year that it sucks to see something like this happen especially to and it, him even though it, it, it may was ultimately be, his choice ahead. to let front porch step play it's like everyone does make mistakes and this is probably one this of the his, very few he has yeah. made in how many years of warp tour quite a few yeah, along and that, but again it goes back to you know we don't start out as perfect people it's constant learning and unlearning so and it's kind of one of those generational things he's from a different generation than we are he could be our father um so it's kind of that idea of admitting of being wrong or, or learning to handle things differently than you have in the past because this whole i mean everything has changed since warp tour started nothing so is the much. same he talks about he was recently interviewed in article where first of all he talks about how he plans on not having anybody underneath the age of 21 on That's the tour. Which does no good. Which like yeah. I feel so I have mixed feelings about that but that's another episode. Um, yeah, but he also in that same interview he says that we need to slow down on social media and we need to you know just basically not be as involved on social media as we sh- as I, we are. I don't is, disagree. I don't disagree, yeah. but at the same time, it's like, gonna happen. That's just the way our our way world works right now. Like like you know they. Warp Tour has embraced it. Every festival has embraced it. You right. know, they all have their own hashtags and social media accounts and communities online. It's how you make money. It's how you, <laughs> it's how you make money. It's how you stay engaged with fans. And so it's kind of, sometimes it's really difficult to draw the line, like, do I boycott Warp Tour entirely? Do I just disagree right. with Kevin Lyman? Like, where, you, none of Warp's us know line. the inner yeah. workings of Warp Tour. And, like, no. again, like like it was said before, like, he's done so many things right and it kind of sucks that this one summer so many things are kind of crumbling down but and it's kind of like do you want to punish all of the other bands on warp tour exactly. for one mistake someone tweeted during that nashville date where front porch step was playing they said okay people are telling all these bands like don't play whatever like boycott warp tour for today but they said look there's one person playing that you don't like and you know there's there's 95 other bands that you can go support right. instead you know right. take your pick i think the yeah. wonder years were one of the bands that tweeted out 
possibly they never about. tweeted out why yeah um, no but they were you know, like Dan, hey we're, you know, we're on why, it this but, time come see right. us yeah <laughs> like, exactly bands can um, do that without mentioning like oh don't yeah. go see this person don't go see this band it's just like if you engage yeah. your own fans they're more likely to respond if you're not trashing someone else yeah you get yeah. more flies with honey than you do with vinegar Exactly. Very true. Shall we and move I, people on? People bring up, you know, this is this has been happening for years. Um, this is how you know the scene has always been seen. There's always been those scummy guys, but it goes back to the idea that Kayla talks about in the article is that it's time to change some things. Um, we want people to be safe. We want everyone to be accepted, and that means everyone. So I think it, you know, there is this ingrained microaggression of being a certain way and guys acting a certain way on tour and being a part of a band. But I think that's where Kayla's article really comes in and makes mm-hmm. a good point that it's time to change and to kind of look back on yourself and say, is what I'm doing right? Is what I have been doing right? What, am I willing to change and to think yeah, about things? We were just talking about how um, if it wasn't for the internet and stuff, it was none of us would know about the front porch right. stuff thing. We wouldn't know about the whole thing with Johnny Craig and that sexual harassment allegation and all that stuff. And people are saying, oh, I can't believe these things are happening so often now. I can't believe it. And I'm kind of like, these things have been happening since rock and roll started. It's just that more and more people are finally saying something or taking a stand or like Autumn in regards to Front Porch Step, who was like, basically, if any of you are unfamiliar with this case, she was a driving force for how all of this went down. She was very vocal about all the issues and kind of calling out Kevin Lyman on some inconsistencies in his statements and, you know, stuff like that. And people are speaking up, and I think that's what's most important because these things have been happening for years and years and years. It's just that people haven't been talking about it. So the more people talk about it, the more changes we can make to the scene. Yeah, it's become normal, and it's time for it not. Boom. Bam. (laughs) Mic drop. (laughs) <laughs> exactly. So let's go ahead and move on to recommendations on that note. Yeah, so, so what have y'all been watching and listening to? I binged, well, not completely binged, but I watched Sense8, which is a Netflix original. And the mm-hmm. premise is there's eight people and they're like telepathic. And whenever one of them is in trouble, someone else will always show up like in their country. So these people are in like Asia, Europe the United States, Mexico, they're kind of spread out all over the world. And it's like whenever one is in trouble, they'll start to see one of the other people just like randomly come into their lives and no one else can see the person. Hmm. And it, it took me a few episodes to get into it, but then it just like got really, really good. And as I was watching the first season, I heard that it was renewed for a season two. So now cool. I have to impatiently wait for that to come <laughs> always, the worst. always impatiently <laughs> and then uh i saw fantastic four the other weekend and i, I have know, some, I I have nothing some about words it. about curious. that <laughs> i have not seen the first two that were apparently also very terrible but this one it was just like it started out pretty well and then it's just like it took forever to actually get to the people being the Fantastic Four, I was just like, did we really need another origin movie? If people <laughs> don't know how the Fantastic Four started, considering they were like literally the first Marvel team before the Avengers, it's like, all right, can we just get on with it now? And you could tell they had to try really hard 
to end it so that you could tell there was going to be a second one. It was of just course. like it, it was the end was so bad. I I'm r- trying really hard not to spoil anything, but I had to go see it just to see if it was as bad as everyone said it was, and I don't think it was like a 8% like Rotten Tomatoes was giving it, but Ooh. it was just like it was okay. It wasn't anything exciting. Like I really liked the actors that they cast, but it's like some of them didn't gel together. It's like two are supposed to be siblings, and it's just like they hardly talk the whole movie. <laughs> so, and then, all right, one more show. I started watching Mr. Robot. Do you guys okay. know what that one is about? I've seen Billboard's familiar. It is. <laughs> I've never watched a whole episode, I'll say that. Yeah, it it's another one where you kind of have to be really into it to keep watching it. But basically, there's this guy, Elliot, and he's... Uh, he works at a cybersecurity firm during the day and then he hacks people at night mm-hmm. and just like finds out literally everything about their lives. Sorry, lost my screen for a second. <laughs> Technology. <laughs> I know. Apparently I have not Lyman. touched my computer, so it just shut off. <laughs> it like Ashley. went to sleep. <laughs> um, it was Elliot hacking me. <laughs> I don't know. I like the idea of Kevin Lyman doing it better. <laughs> he was just so upset. <laughs> he was so upset they were talking ill of him. He heard us. <laughs> yep. Yeah, so he hacks people by night, and he basically gets into this – it's not really a hacking club, but it's this group, and they're trying to bring down the big corporations, basically. And the last episode had, like, such a big twist. I was like, oh, my God, everything makes sense. <laughs> So, so it's you're one of those into, like, shows. all the action-y drama kind Apparently, of stuff. Okay. This is definitely very, really tech-based. Like literally cyberpunk. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah basically. He, he wears a black hoodie all the time. It's great. And then I have, I have a few albums I have been listening to. Noah Gunderson's upcoming album. It'll be out this Friday called Carry the Ghost. Nothing but good things about it. Oh, him. my God. It is so good. I think I've had it for a couple weeks now. Luckily, I just like emailed the press person. I was like, can I have this, please? I will review it. (laughs) And they did send it. So it is wonderful. Some nice acoustic jams there, as always with him. I actually heard about him through Jason Tate. And I was like, I cannot stop listening to this man. He (laughs) could just sing all day and I would be okay with that. And then, of course, Dr. Dre's Compton record dropped recently, and I finally listened all the way through. It is a whole 16 songs, so be prepared wow, if you go to shit. listen to it. And it features everyone, basically. It's like oh. all but the intro and the very last song have featured artists. So 14 Ooh. songs of lots of featured artists, and it was wonderful. So I'm going to throw it to Ashley now so we can find out what she's been watching and listening to. Red. All right. Well, I've been, I have mostly just like stuff of stuff I've been listening to. But the first thing I want to point out are recommend your two awesome organizations. The first is called Punk Talks, which is run by the lovely Sheridan Allen. I adore her. She's the sweetest human being. Punk Talks is all about kind of mental health within the music industry and ending the stigma of, of mental health issues and asking for help and and stuff like that, and ending uh, sad culture and 
it's fantastic. She just um, announced a charity compilation. It's going to be so kick-ass. I'm not going to talk too much about it because I want you to go to her website and look it up for yourself. And then also Punk Out, which is run by, his name is Michael McCarran. He ran the showcase feature on Property of Zach before I did, so he kind of showed me the ropes. It was fantastic. And then he started Punk Out, which is about LGBT issues within the punk scene, and it's really interactive. A lot of people do guest blogs and talk about things within the punk scene that have helped them with their own sexuality and gender identity and stuff like that. So definitely check that out too. My friend Landon made me a kick-ass playlist. I asked him if he would give me basically like the hardcore for dummies playlist. I'm trying to like, (laughs) I really always wanted to get into hardcore, but I feel like I was never like tough enough to be in hardcore. Is that like, it's a big foray into a very different world. It is, but I'm really interested in it, and I know that he's definitely, like, the go-to guy for that. So I was like, Landon, make me a playlist, please. And he's like, okay. And 20 minutes later, I had this awesome playlist, so I'll link that in the show notes. I have been really loving the Spotify Discover Weekly feature, which launched, I believe, about a month ago. And essentially what this does is it curates a new playlist based on your tastes. So stuff that you're already listening to, it will take into account. And it will make this brand new playlist. And it's not going to be all new music, but it's the stuff that Spotify thinks that you might be into. Because I like the new Music Friday playlist, but it's often stuff that I'm not really interested in. Like, it's good music, it's just not my stuff. So, I love Discover Weekly. I absolutely love, 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 I have to give them a huge shout-out, Broadside's new record, Old Bones. If you haven't listened to it... Do it right now. (laughs) Like, I don't know how else to put it because I love this album. I'm pretty sure it's going to be my album of the year 2015. Uh, I know. I hate to be that person who's who's calling this in, you know, in in mid-August, but it's... Do what you gotta do. I love this record. I love the boys in Broadside. The sweetest, most passionate human beings you'll ever meet. They just played mixtape fest, like I said, and... From what I can tell, they totally freaking killed it, and I'm really sad I couldn't be there, but they're hopefully going to be coming to a city near you soon, and I really hope you check it out, and yeah. Sweet. Well, I, as a teacher who is going back to school this week, has spent my summer doing nothing but watching Netflix and reading books. Um, I currently just finished nine seasons of Seinfeld. Um, I bought I know. Plus just to watch it. Um, It was great, obviously, although if you're under the age of, like, 20, you probably won't enjoy it too much. Maybe younger than that. I'm not sure. Basically, what I took away from Seinfeld is that all of their problems could be solved with the cell phone. Um, (laughs) That doesn't make it any less wonderful. I watched it as a kid growing up with my parents, and it was awesome to watch it all the way through. So if you ever remember watching it with your parents, go back and watch it because it's going to be ten times funnier now. Um, also have been watching um, NCIS because that yes! is just a classic. <laughs> the <laughs> horrible everything and it makes it so good. But God, it's a, it's a great way to pass the time when you're like trying to not get out of bed all day because as a teacher, I'm going to milk those last few days as good as I can and NCS makes it very easy. Um 
as far as what I've been listening to, I've been really bad about that. I haven't been listening to a lot of new music. I just kind of check out during the summers. I've been buying vinyl like we were talking about earlier. My most recent proud purchase was in Albuquerque, New Mexico. I uh, purchased Ice Ice Baby on vinyl. It was a DJ's formerly. um, Solid $5 spent. I listened to it twice, and I'll probably never listen to it again. Um, I have been reading a lot lately. That is one thing I try to do in the summer, and I'm always a little bit behind. I have a stack of about 12 books on my book or on my side table that all have bookmarks in them. So I finally wrapped up Lena Dunham's um, Not That Kind of Girl. I was really hesitant to read it just because I hear a lot, um, even from feminists, about how there's some negative things that she portrays in the book and stuff like that. But I did really did enjoy it, um, mainly because I got to find out more about Lena as a person and kind of how she was raised and what her background is, and it made me help, um, you know, understand more about her show girls and stuff like that which i watch very regularly um and then i'm also currently reading mark maron's attempting normal which came out in 2013 and if you're not familiar with mark maron he's the guy that does the wtf podcast that just recently had um, president obama on um and he is just a kindred spirit for me he um struggles with anxiety and stuff like that and um the very first paragraph of this book really jumped out to me he was talking about being a nostalgic person and having kept all this stuff from his past which is something i talked about at the beginning of this podcast so i found it really interesting that um he started the book that way and it immediately grabbed me and drew me in so i'm really looking forward to finishing that up but hopefully next time i'll have some new music i've been listening to i've got a bunch on my list right now awesome I think that'll wrap it up for us. We will be back in two more weeks. We have submitted to iTunes, as I mentioned earlier. So we're hoping that will be up by Wednesday. This way you can all subscribe to both episodes and listen to those if you haven't. And we hope you will join us next episode. And check us out on Twitter at Pod. Thanks for listening.